Well, greetings and welcome. I'm Alan Brace, joined by Pastor Tim Barr and John Veris, as we host this podcast called Walk in Discipleship. Uh, we are using the guide, The Walk. It's a, a booklet uh, called The Walk, Everyday Spiritual Growth, to encourage you to continue to grow as a disciple of Christ and help you with the struggles of walking that path. Uh, we've been talking about suffering in Chapter 5 of our guide and what our response should be to suffering. And uh, we'll be picking up the discussion on page 65 as uh, we begin there at the bottom half of the page for those of you who have a book. Um, and let's discuss, gentlemen, the difference between suffering as part of living in a fallen world and following Christ versus suffering because of, a pers of personal sin. How, we, we should dig into that and, and talk about that a little bit. So, John, do people actually suffer for things that they have no responsibility for at all? Well, I think the Bible is clear that uh, there are, there, is, there are, let's say, two types of suffering. The ones that, you know, we are not, we are not necessarily the cause um, voluntarily in the sense that, you know, we plan to suffer in, uh, for instance, uh, in cases of cancer or, uh, you know, bodily problems and things like that. But um, the Bible also speaks about that uh, we might suffer the consequences of our choices. And uh, these two things are different. Yeah, and just if you take Bible characters, just to simply illustrate, on one side you got Job and Joseph, Right. In both of those cases, they go through immense amounts of suffering for the greater glory of God and his purpose. Maybe on the other side, you have Jonah, and I'm going to put Eli in there. I know there's no J there, but Eli, um, he's got Hophni and Phineas for children, uh, right? So I, I like both of those illustrations because if you're looking at people who are have self-inflicted suffering, that's the name the book uses for it. I think Eli and Jonah are great examples of that. Well, and David as well. And David suffered in, in many ways because, because of his own foolish mistakes. Yeah, and, and all of his children and grandchildren end up suffering because of him, um, which is interesting because his children end up getting the consequences for his, his sin, right? Um but when you start looking at it, they had self-inflicted sins. You can't say all Solomon's problems started with David. There's got to be at least about a thousand other reasons, right? Right. Well, you know, you got, well. That was pun intended. You got it. Yeah, you? <laughs> I, was, I was trying to figure out what to do with that. It's a, it's, you, you caught us all off guard. Uh, so, well, so we it's have. just like weddings. Come on. They didn't have the wedding network back then, so they needed something to keep life exciting. Exactly right. He had to, well, I'm not going down that road. Well, you could never you the can bride, never... always the groom. Is that his motto? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something like that. Sorry. So what you're saying is, is that there, there really are two types of suffering. The kind that, as John mentioned, uh, physical suffering that is just from getting old or or developing a disease or something of that nature. And then there's the self-inflicted stuff that, that we bring on ourselves. So is there a purpose in each of those? I mean, I realize that self-inflicted suffering is something that 
is more than likely a cause of sin. But on the other side of that, where you have unexplained or unintentioned or, you know, suffering that isn't our fault, is there purpose in that? I see that in Joseph's life, but John, what do you think? I mean, how, how do we explain that to somebody who's, I have no idea why I'm suffering, but, you know, tell, help me out here. Yes. Um, in the book, there are a few things that they emphasize, uh, which I believe uh, are great. And I think it will be very encouraging for us uh, to understand, for instance, some of the purposes of suffering. The first one is um, sometimes in, I would call it just in the natural way of suffering. Um, I would put here, you know, uh, issues related to the body, um, issues in the nature, um, and uh, accidents and things like that, uh, to which we are not necessarily the main cause for for it. And so I think it would be helpful for us to not forget that uh, um, there is a big picture, actually. There is a bigger perspective uh, over those um, moments. And even though in those suffering moments, we might not understand um, what is the place, why is there, uh, what is going on? We are caught uh, off guard because we just don't simply, we, we, we don't understand what is going on. Let's not forget that there is a bigger purpose, a bigger picture. And in time, Lord willing, we will be able to understand why was that. And so the eternal perspective over the things, I think it's tremendously helpful here. Is yeah, that I, I thought of Psalm 55 too. Well, we start verse one, give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily. Okay. There, 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 there are certain times that that's just what you are when you go through sickness and when you go through life, right? Noisily, right? I wow. love it, don't you? Yeah, we get uh, we get a, a biblical perspective on whining or something, right? Or it doesn't whining that isn't whining is what we're talking about here. Yeah, what is interesting if you drop down the psalm because you know I love the psalms in verse four, my heart is severely pain within me. That's not a heart attack; that's an emotional heart attack, right? And the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Um, I, I think if we'd understand this right, there are real physical sufferings of both the body and the mind that are that come upon us and they're not um in this case by the way it starts because of the treachery of the people that were in his life um he was the verse i skipped because of the voice of the enemy because of the oppression of the wicked for they bring down trouble upon me mm-hmm. and in wrath they hate me so we need to be clear there are people who are sinned against. There's people who have sickness. Um, John, in the ethics world, I think Down syndrome is one of the big conversations in this because here are um, young, you know, children that are going to have a very rough life of, of no fault of their own, right? And yet they can be an incredible gift to families and to churches and their society. Exactly, because there is a purpose in all these things. Even though we don't understand, it's hard to comprehend what is going on. But the Lord has a plan. Um, Everything is under his control. And I'm just, uh, for instance, uh, thinking about um, suffering of the innocent, of the 
of the ones, for instance, of the, of the babies with Down syndrome. It's hard to uh, say exactly why, why the Lord allowed this issue to happen. But I think even when we don't understand, we need to remind ourselves that we can trust God's wisdom and his goodness and love, even though it doesn't make sense to us. So yeah, Psalm, it, well, let me hop on that. In Psalm yeah. 55, skipping the imprecatory part of the psalm, you get to the end of it. And the psalmist says, as for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many against me. God will hear now here's the imprecatory part, and afflict them, even he who abides from of old. See, and, and I totally agree with you, John. In the midst of all these things, we can look to God and know he protects. Exactly. I'm just thinking, for instance, as Jude is saying, um, that these people, uh, the, the audience of Jude, for instance, I'm just thinking, they, they, they are about to be tested and to go through... Uh, I would say the suffering of heresies and, uh, um, you know, things that are contrary to the word of God. But he begins by preparing the, the people, uh, by reminding them that they are called and they are loved and they are kept. And so they are kept for Jesus Christ. And in all these things, I, I think this could be an, an encouragement for us to not forget that we might not understand what is going on, but let's not forget it. We are called, we are loved, and we are kept, and we are safe in God's hands. All right, so if someone's listening to Christian radio, because, you know, I don't like to pick under Christian radio a bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're listening to Christian radio, and not, of course, not bought, right? We're talking like one of those ones where they have all the music on. So yep. listen to the music one, and what they hear when they listen to it is this. Though God is for me, though the world is against me, God is for me. My life's going to get better. And if, if everything we were talking about so far was the only reason people suffered, that might be an okay message. But here's the problem. God can be against us too. Hmm. Because sometimes the reason we are suffering is not that God has changed but we have changed in our position to him so that what, like a Jonah, we run from God, we get involved in sin and we get the natural consequences for sin, but that feels like suffering, right? So is that, is that God working in your life? Uh, the consequences of sin are just our consequences of sin. And, but is that, does God use that to draw you back to him? Does God use that to direct your path? I think so. I think so. It could be one of the reasons why the Lord is allowing those things. Uh, you know, we have a saying in Romanian. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, easier to see God when you are on a horizontal position because you are lying in, in a bed because you are sick. So when you are on a horizontal position, it's easier to look up. But when you are standing on your feet, you are, you know, you have a vertical position. Uh, you are focused on what is in front of you, uh, around you. And so uh, I think the Lord sometimes could use 
these uh, these sufferings to to bring us uh, closer to Him. But in the same time, I think uh, we need to have a clear uh, theology of retribution. I'm just thinking that um, you know um, you could be right with the Lord, you can be faithful to Him, and still there could be some bad things happening to you. It's not necessarily you know, uh, uh, just the consequences of sin in your life. In the same time, if you see somebody uh, who who is blessed by the Lord in, let's say, material uh, possessions, it doesn't mean that they have a, uh, a, a holy life. Um, so we need to be careful with that because we don't want to uh, people to understand that if you do something good, that the Lord, you know, should do you good. Uh, or if you did something bad, then, you know... Um, and so I think this helps a little bit uh, us. Yeah, like in 1 Corinthians 11, and the, you had the passage there dealing with communion, and you have people that are sick and some have actually died because they have taken communion the wrong way. But then in, in, Paul, who's writing that, ends up dying twice for being a missionary. So, you know, the question you got to go with is, well, can both those who are godly and non-godly suffer? Yes. But here's the thing, those who have broken the commands in 1 Corinthians 11 also knew that they were being divisive in the church. They knew that they were causing division. They knew that they were in sin. Um, I don't think it's accidental that um, Paul reminds us that in the night in which Christ was betrayed, he took bread. Okay, I mean, these people were in many ways betraying Christ by their sin. Um, I'm reminded that, G that our Heavenly Father treats us as children. He disciplines us. And Proverbs 13, 24, he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Um, there is a sense in where God disciplines his children, but not everyone that's in a car crash is being disciplined. Right, right. So it's important to develop an eternal perspective to this and understanding what the, I'll use the word nuances, but what are the, what are the things that go into that eternal perspective, both from uh, bringing it on yourself, if you will, by sin and understanding why God would use uh, suffering to season you, to, to bring you along. And I, I'm, uh, I find it interesting, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.18, you've uh, read this a number of times, Pastor, uh, therefore comfort one another with these words. You know, we're talking about the return of Christ and so on in, in the earlier part of that chapter, but to point out that we need to comfort one another. This is where the church body fits in, is to help us reinforce our uh, eternal perspective. So what about attitude? I mean, attitude just seems like it, is that something that we conjure up ourselves? Or is that is that you know something that is a choice on our behalf? I, that's a difficult question to me. First um, Peter five six is what comes to my mind immediately. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Okay, and I think maybe that's where I would start by saying is this: when we go through times of suffering, the first thing we need to do is humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Um, if we are in sin and we are self-inflicting, we're going to find that to be very, very hard. Um, and honestly, we'll never humble ourselves unless we say what God says about the sin and we turn from it. So I would say that's 
maybe part of it. We have to humble ourselves. Is there a piece of, is there a part of that that's a, where we can find joy in that suffering though? I mean, is that part of the proper attitude? Is that the, maybe attitude's the wrong word. Is it perspective? Absolutely. Um, I'm just thinking, you know, the Paul is teaching us that in the middle of suffering, even though he was in prison, for instance, at the time when he writes Philippians, we have this, an entire letter about um, being joyful and rejoicing in the Lord in the middle of suffering. And this is a such an, a counter-cultural, I would say, attitude. Because what would be the natural response uh, when we suffer? Well, complaining or victimizing ourselves or um, having, you know, pity uh, of, on ourselves. But Paul is suggesting and telling us, well, that, that's a good moment when we could rejoice um, in the Lord, knowing that he's in control and knowing that his power is made perfect in our witness. And so we could have, through that good attitude, um, a good chance, you know, to show others uh, how great our Lord is. Yeah, and so if we were to just kind of build on that, I think I think the one part that we haven't really talked about is diagnosis in this. So on one side, we're sitting there saying there's a self-inflicted wound of sin. Uh, we need to, if we repent of it, by the way, you have not really repented until you fully accept the consequences for your sin. If you think you sin and you apologize for it to God and you ask for forgiveness, and then you get the consequences and you get angry at God, you haven't said the same thing about your sin that God says yet, right? So that's one side. On the other hand, we have people who sin against us and we live in a sin-cursed world, so those sins are against us. My question is diagnostic how do I know which one I'm facing at any given moment? We have a good tool to uh, mirror our lives. And that's the scripture. Um, the Lord gave us the Holy Spirit to discern what is happening. And uh, we are called to analyze and to think about our ways based on the scripture. So for instance, if we married in the flesh someone was not of the Lord, then we shouldn't be surprised. And, you know, uh, down the down the way, there will be issues and, uh, you know, problems in family. But in the same time, if we understand that we marry the right person in the Lord, then that's, uh, that's the blessing. And so the, the, the scripture works uh, in this way. And so by the way, even when we marry someone in the Lord, we say in sickness and health till death do us part, right? Mm -hmm. Because even when you marry in the Lord, it's still challenging, all right? A, a truly godly marriage is still a difficult marriage. Mm. So how does that, you know, one of the points that, uh, that our book gives us is uh, suffering can be a confirmation of, of a clean conscience. So how does that fit into having a proper attitude? Is, it, is having a clean conscience and a proper attitude, are they closely related? And, and because... The conscience uh, tells you that you are living a holy and obedient life. Is that, are they interrelated? Well, absolutely. A clean heart before the Lord, um, confessing our sin uh, before the Lord. If, if this is the cause, if this could be the cause uh, of, of this situation 
And uh, we can trust him that he will forgive our sins. But in the same time, the book is also telling us and, you know, teaching us that uh, there is always, I mean, also a need for accountability and prayer uh, to help. I mean, to have others to help you. If you are keep struggling in the same scene and, uh, you know, there is suffering on yourself, in your family, because when you live in sin, um, it's not just you affected. Is your family, your church, and um, yeah, we we need help in these. You know, Alan, when you asked that question, my brain kind of went back to Romans chapter one, because in Romans one, you have creation and conscience that bear witness against an unbeliever, and then we have that digression of humanity. I think historically into sin, where the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. But what a lot of people don't do is think about the very last part of Romans chapter 1. After giving the list of um, in 28, even though they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. And in there is sexual immorality, um, murder, strife, this whole list. But at the very end of the list, listen to what it says, verse 32, who knowing the righteous judgment of God... That those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. You see, even in a sin-cursed world, the unbelievers who try to approve and, and, and always encourage their buddies to get drunk, that are pushing other people to join them in pornography, whatever the sin might be, right? Even when they give approval, they know that people who practice these things deserve God's punishment. If that is true of unbelievers, how much more is it true of us as believers? If we get involved in a sin, then we know we deserve the just punishment that comes from it. Um, and you talk about how do you ever have joy if you're sitting there knowing you deserve judgment? Is it So you're saying it's... it's uh, let me let me i guess try to summarize that is you're saying that without a clear conscience if you are knowingly doing things like in in romans chapter one uh your conscience is going to be weighted down and so therefore you're not going to have joy is it safe then to say the extension is well this life is really really tough or really really bad or it's not worth it because my and in, in reality it's my conscience that's bothering me is that is that it is that where yeah, to go? Yeah, let me give you a simple illustration. Imagine uh, my wife asked me to clean up the kitchen while she's gone. And so I have one of two options. One is I get interested in the latest podcast, get reading a book. My wife comes home. The kitchen is dirty. I hear her walking in the door. My initial emotional response is I am in trouble for good reason, right? Now, imagine the same thing. She walks out. She says, can you clean the kitchen? So what I do is I clean the kitchen. Then I go into our bedroom, and I clean the bedroom. I get everything nice, clean a bathroom. I mean, let's just imagine it was like something that never happens, right? I mean, I just get wild. Go cleaning all kinds of stuff, right? And I hear her unlatching the front door. What is my thoughts? It's, it's completely different than when you didn't clean it. Exactly. And it's the same thing with sin in our life. If we have sin in our life and we think, wait a second, I got to pray and I got to talk to God 
I'm going to read his word. He's going to talk to me. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to fellowship with people who love God. We're going to walk in with a guilty conscience, feeling like we deserve the punishment of God. We're going to feel like we're suffering miserably because we should, we deserve it. Right. Mm. But if we walk in with a pure conscience, we yearn for those times, right? We desire the fellowship of other believers. So I think that's maybe an easy way to illustrate it, um, that we need to make sure we have a clear conscience because we will never be able to diagnose our sufferings well if we're in sin. I would just add this in. Imagine um, if, if my wife came in the door, I'm all excited, and she came in with bad news. If I have just done all I can to love her and she comes in with bad news, I'm going to feel like I'm in a much better place to engage that mentally and emotionally than if I had been ignoring her and I got bad news. Um, How much more if we have a bad relationship with our Heavenly Father and we get the car crash, right? Right. Right. Or, but how much better if we have a right relationship with the Lord and we get a car crash? You get out of the car and you're looking around for who you can witness to, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, it, so having, having the attitude and the conscience and all that is really a step in growing uh, spiritually mature, um, you know, because it, it gives us an opportunity to exercise our faith and, and to understand perhaps scripture in a way we, we would never do before because we've looked to the scripture and, and have found us wanting in perhaps places and have had to confess some of those sins that we we've been standing on for a while. All right. So I read this story is from Romania. So it sticks in my head because John, we're talking. Um, who's the founder of uh, Voice of the Martyrs? Richard uh, Vumran. Yeah. I can't say that name as well as you do brother. Uh, <laughs> but in, I read his biography years ago. And I, one thing I remember is he talked about going through a time of torture. And, um, and then I got to hear him do an interview. And in the interview, this is what he said. He said, Every single day, we did all we could to never allow a single sin into our heart because we knew that if if we had one sin that we held in our heart, we would definitely yield to the pressure. Mm. And I remember Mm. thinking, do I live that way every day in my life? Do I live every day in my life saying I will not hold a single sin for fear that I would yield to the pressure and somehow deny my Savior? Um, you know, there's a great example of where intense suffering brought him to recognize the need for a completely pure conscience. And maybe we're not under such intense suffering, but we still need that same pure conscience. So does, is God using, there are principles in the, in scripture where God uses suffering to mature us, to cause us to have faith in him. Uh, again, we're back to Joseph, for instance, he, he ran Joseph through the ringer um, in many ways to grow his faith uh, and, and put him in a place where he, God could use him and, and that he would be willing to uh, deal with his brothers and, and so forth and so on. Um, but how do we, how do we mentally, learn to rest in the grace that God has promised uh, during suffering. How, how do we, how can we encourage people to get to that point where they, they learn to, they learn to rest in the, in the promises of God is, is that is simply as simple as saying, 
you need to memorize scripture or you need to understand the scripture and what God promises in scripture. Is that, is that safe to say? I mean, this question came up at work, by the way. So John, how, how do we respond to that? Sure. I mean, there is obviously, you know, these, uh, these part of memorizing the scripture and knowing our faith, but I think it goes a little bit more than that uh, in the sense that you just need to trust the Lord is a matter of trust. Um, knowing that uh, you are in the hands of the Lord and you are safe and God cares for you, even though that caring might not make sense completely in our mind, but we know who our Lord is. And so uh, that was one of my, my, my things that, you know, when, when I got to be asked about, uh, you know, uh, situations like, like, like this, and um, it's difficult to, to, to encourage in the sense that, you know, it, it's heavy. And uh, uh, it, it's just simply, it takes a, a huge, uh, you know, mental energy and spiritual energy and all these things. But um, that would be one of the things that I, I would tell, just trust in the Lord. You know, when you ask that question, I was reminded of my dad. Now, my dad kind of lived in an earlier generation before all the emails and stuff. And my dad always called the word of God a love letter from our Heavenly Father to us. And if you think about a love letter before email, that was the letter that you got from your someone, your, your wife or your husband. And, and you would look at that letter and you would read it and you would think about every word. But it wasn't just what was said. It was the letter was that person on the other end who wrote it. And, and John, I agree with you in trusting. Well, we, it's not just we memorize God's word, but we recognize it's a relationship mm-hmm. where our heavenly father is communicating with us. He's talking to us, right? And so I've always appreciated my dad calling the Bible a love letter to him. Um, he understood it was very personal from a heavenly father to him. Um, and so I would say maybe that would be a way we could think about that as well. So pastor Tim, we find that suffering, you you probably see more of the one-on-one suffering and being more heavily involved in other people's suffering. Um, how does, you know, I I guess I understand that that has to give you a, an open door to give the gospel a, a genuine gospel message to people who otherwise wouldn't stand still to listen. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's purposeful to point out that Christ came to earth to suffer on our behalf and give the genuine gospel. that says that he suffered for our sin. And you know, he was tempted at all points as we are yet without yeah. sin. He knows the feeling of our infirmities, but I, I tell you the biggest thing in what you said there is this, we have a savior right there. That's it. That's it. We have one who delivers us and I don't care what suffering we're in. And if you're listening in I, there, whatever suffering you're going through, we have a savior. That's it. That's where our hope is. He comes and he delivers people from sin um, and from the bondage of sin, the consequences of sin. And he does it in a knowing way. Um, that is our hope. And that's why the gospel is so important to engaging people and they're going through suffering. I can tell you from personal experience and in my own immediate family uh, that when somebody in your family is suffering, 
you get, and, and for instance, in our case, it was health. You get to talk to people you don't normally talk to. And for whatever reason, when you're, when you are deathly ill, God gives you the courage for some reason or another. Maybe it's because what are they going to do to you? And that should be our attitude anyway, by the way. But you have the courage to tell people who you would normally never even bring the gospel up to uh, and bring it and present it to them in a way that they would understand. And it's because they are seeing what you're going through and gives you an opportunity then to open that door and give the gospel. So it's we could go on and on about this, particularly the last couple of points where we could just say, you know, here's what the Bible says and here's how you're supposed to handle it. But um, we we're running out of time. And I, I hate to say that, but we are. Uh, and we thank you for joining us as we've been discussing suffering and, and the Christian and why it happens to us. Uh, we're praying that you would have been encouraged to keep walking in discipleship uh, that you've learned something that you can pass on to those that you are discipling. Uh, we encourage you, if you've not done this, to find someone to disciple because you have information that will help them through a time of suffering. Um, pray that God would lead that someone to you or that you to them so that you can both be strengthened in your faith because discipling someone else is going to strengthen your faith as well. We encourage you to pray for your mentoree or those who you are discipling. Uh, without the strength of prayer, our, you know, our efforts are pretty futile. Um, we're also encourage you to memorize scripture. We've talked about that multiple times here, particularly as we are reminded that suffering is part of our lives. The best way to, to if you want to say it this way, defend ourselves against suffering or to make it through the suffering is to have God's word buried in our brain. Uh, cranial uh, storage, I think, is what they call it these days. Having God's word at our fingertips because it's right there in our head is a part of the armor that God can use and when, he, when we are in difficult situations. So until next time, we encourage you to pray. We encourage you to pray for your mentorees. We encourage you to memorize scripture. And for Pastor Tim and for John, I'm Alan. We'll see you.